Greetings and welcome to Shnayim Mikra, the podcast series developed and sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org. In each one of these podcasts, we read, translate, study, and analyze and discuss uh, one of the aliyot of the current week's parasha. My name is Yitzhak Et Shalom, and I'm honored to be studying Parashat Dvarim with you uh, here via this most modern of mediums. And we are now in the third aliyah, uh, which begins in Perak Aleph, uh, Pasuk um, Chaf Bet. Uh, and the lead up to here is that uh, Hashem, that Moshe tells, reminds the people that they were about to come into the land, and Hashem had said, go in and conquer the land, do not be afraid. So, Vatikuvun Elai Kochem, chapter 1, verse 22, Vatikuvun Elai Kochem, you approached me, Vatomru, and you said, Nishlacha Anashim Lefanenu, let us send men in front of us, in front of us, Viyach Perulanu Ataaretz, and let them spy out the land. Now, this is the only place where those 12 people who were sent as agents of Bnei Israel back in the famous story in Parshat Shlach, are called spies. There they are called scouts, people who are visiting the land. Here and there, the in, in Parshat Shlach, it is Hashem's command to Moshe to send them and to send famous people. Here, Moshe tells us that the people came to Moshe and said, let us send people in front of us, meaning that Hashem's command, go conquer the land, take it, do not be afraid, was countered by the people saying, well, we first want to have people spy, spy out the land. So let them come back and tell us which way we should go and what about the cities that we're going to encounter. Now that's not the way that it's told in Parshat Shlach. Not only is it Hashem's idea in Parshat Shlach and not the people's, not only is the purpose in Shlach different, but also the specific directives are different. In Parshat Shlach, Moshe tells the people to come back with a report about what kind of land it is. And here, the people's request is, let these people come back and tell us what way we should go, really a spy mission, a reconnaissance mission, and the cities that we're going to encounter, what kind of cities they are. And Moshe said, and I agreed to this matter, just like when I proposed the uh, the Shoftim, you found it good in your eyes, similarly, I found it good in my eyes. And by the way, when Moshe is speaking to the people, he's really talking to them about their parents who are no longer here. I found the matter to be good. I took 12 people, one from each tribe. Of course, Levi is not involved because Levi is not going to get land. Levi doesn't get involved in these sort of things. And now what happened? They went up to the mountain, meaning the Harahim Mori that we've been talking about. They came to Nachal Eshkol, and the impression from here is that they were spying out Nachal Eshkol because that would be the route that they would take. They took some fruit of the land, which is not part of the directive here. They brought it to us. And they came back and told us, The land is good, and that's all we hear from them. So in this telling of the story, the 12 men came back, and they gave a good report. The land is very good. Here's the good fruit. Which means, according to this, the 12 people did not fulfill the mission that the, pe- that the people had sent them on, which was a spy mission. And Moshe turns to the people and says, and you didn't want to come up. You didn't want to go to the land. And you rebelled against God. You, 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 may, you rebelled 
in your tents, and you said, God hates us, that's why he took us out of Mitzrayim. He wants to hand us over to the MORE to kill us. Now, of course, what's missing here is they get, did not get a report that we hear of that there are anybody in the land, certainly not anybody who was a worthy enemy. Where are we going to go? And now we hear the other side of the piece, that our brothers melted our hearts, saying, there's a great, more powerful nation than we, and more numerous, cities that are fortified all the way to the heavens, of course, overkill, we saw giants there. And now we're getting sort of the other piece of the puzzle from Shlach. At the end of the Saliyah, we'll try to put, the, put it together. What did I say to you? Again, to you means to your parents. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid of them. God who goes in front of you, he'll fight for you. You saw him do it in Mitzrayim. And also in the desert, you saw God has, has carried you in the desert just like a man carries his son. And the whole way that you've gone up until here, you've seen Hashem carrying you, Hashem's going to continue carrying you. But here you don't trust God. Which God? The one who's gone in front of you. He's the one who scouted out the place with the cloud where you're going to camp. With a fire at night to lead you on the way. And a cloud during the day. Heard about earlier in, in, in uh, Bamidbar. And now what happens? So God heard your words and he got angry and this was his oath. It's important to remember that oaths in Tanakh are not presented in the way that they are in rabbinic literature or the way that we would do it, say, I swear that I will do this or I swear that this didn't happen. But rather, the oath is, I swear that if, and then you say the opposite of the oath. And the notion is that if the opposite of what I'm intending happens, then some dire consequence, which usually isn't mentioned. If any of these people, this terrible generation, We'll see the good land that I swore to give their ancestors. Zulati, Kalev ben Yifuneu Yirena. The only one who's different is Kalev. He will get the land that he walked on. Vanav, also his children, because he followed God. And to get that story, you have to read Shlach and see how Kalev responds. Notice Yeshua is not mentioned here because he's going to play a different role. And this is a critical pasuk. Moshe says, God had gotten angry at me also on your account, saying, You're not going to come to the land, which means in this telling, Moshe says the reason that he's not coming to the land is because of the, what we call Chitamaraglim, the sin of the spies, not because of hitting the rock. We'll have to put that together too. So it's Yoshua standing in front of you, he'll go there. And Hashem said to me that I have to strengthen him because he's going to give it to Israel. Several questions we want to deal with. Obviously, the larger question is, how do we reconcile the two stories? Another side question is, what is this different version of the reason Moshe is not coming into the land? Also, why are Kalev and Yoshua presented differently? So we'll deal with those four questions uh, now now that we've read and translated the, the piece and done a little bit of an analysis. Uh, there are several ways to deal with the numerous retellings in Devarim which present either different perspectives or outright different stories than what we have in the first four books. And this is a good test case to work. If you look at it, you notice that the story in Shlach 
starts out one way and ends up a different way. It starts out as go to the land, tell us how nice the land is, tell us how beautiful the land is, tell us how rich the land is. And the people come back and do that, but they immediately switch to a whole different scene in Shlach. And it's worthwhile reading through chapter 13 to 14 about Midbar to see this. They switch to a whole different scene in which they describe the giants, and we were like grasshoppers, and the land eats and inhabitants, etc., etc. And as a result, everybody cried out. So, um, one way to take a look at it is the following. And it suggested, I believe Rabbi Yaakov Maidan suggested this in an article about 20 years ago in Megadim, that what you have here is a double mission. That Hashem said, send these 12 men as leaders to scout out the land. They're not spies. It's not a reconnaissance mission. They are scouts who are going, and the reason they're going to go through the whole land to take 40 days and bring back food is they're essentially claiming their territory. They're going to go and see their territory and come back and say, the, the leader is Vulun, will tell the Zvulunites, it's a beautiful land, it's near the Kinneret, etc. And uh, in the meantime, though, there's another piece to the story, which is what happens that in Moshe's retelling is the other side of the story, is that at the same time, when the people were about to enter the land, the people said, we're scared to go into the land without some information in advance. We don't trust that Hashem is going to defeat, and therefore we want to send spies. So Moshe essentially put the two missions together and sent these 12 really to do both things. They came back, therefore, and really reported on both things. They reported on the beautiful land, they gave fruit, but they also reported on the giants, etc., etc., which is the way that they saw it. And if you look in Shlach very carefully, Kalev is the only one who really stands up against them. Yoshua tears his clothes, Yoshua weeps, but Yoshua does not stand up against them. Kalev stands up against them, and Kalev is somebody as they... Ruach Acheret. He has a different spirit. He's willing to stand against the grain. That's one particular type of opposition. Yoshua has a whole different kind of opposition. Yoshua is somebody who knows when the appropriate moment is to state your opposition and how to do it. And Yoshua realizes that if he stands up and says, no, Moshe is the leader and Hashem is going to take care of us, he's not going to get anywhere. So he bides his time, which is part of the reason, and perhaps the, the single reason, why Hashem marks him as being the next leader. Yoshua bin Nun is somebody who knows how to lead the people by sensing when it's an appropriate time to rebuke them, when it's an appropriate time to be patient with them, to wait for the anger to pass. And you need a Kalev and you need Yoshua. So therefore, in the telling here, what you have is, Kalev will be the only one to get it because he followed me. He's going in as a citizen. However, Yoshua is coming in a different role. He is going to come in as the leader who's going to take, take you into the land because he's the one who proved his worth as a leader in this mission and in the reaction afterwards, which also takes us back to Moshe. Think about this. What was the punishment to Moshe on taking a different perspective than the Abravanel? The Abravanel takes the position that both Moshe and Aharon were punished for much more grievous sins than hitting the rock. And hitting the rock, he says, was something of a cover and that Moshe was punished because of the Chetam Raglim, and Aharon is punished because of the Cheta Egel and his role in built, making the golden calf. I'm taking a different perspective than the Abravanel. If you look carefully at the story in Parshat Chukat, when Moshe hits the rock and Hashem says, it gives the punishment, he says, you will not lead the people into the land. doesn't mean he can't go in. You go in, you go in as a citizen, but you can't lead the people. What is Moshe here saying? I can't go into the land because... Because I'm part of the decree. The decree is everybody who's part of this generation, except for Kalev and Yoshua, is going to die. I'm a member of the generation. They go in as a leader. I can't go in because of the rock. 
to go in as a citizen, I can't go because I'm part of the generation. So I'm also suffering. The only one who's going to go in now is Yoshua. And so now we've answered all four questions. Why it is that Yoshua uh, and Kalev are presented separately? Why is this a different angle of the story? Why is it that Moshe here presents his own not going in as being, uh, as being the result of, uh, of the sin of the Meraglim as opposed to the Chet Memrivah? And now we see how the two stories really coalesce. And what we're hearing now is a different piece of the same story. So as opposed to giving us a confused story in Shlach in which different components are playing, playing a role, we have as Moshe here tells us the other side of the story, much as perhaps we could go back to the second Aliyah and say the same thing about the story of Moshe, Yitro, and the advice of the, um, uh, of the, uh, of the appointment of judges. In any case, we'll pick it up in the next Aliyah, in the fourth Aliyah, in the next podcast. Meantime, we should have a wonderful.